Welcome to the 29th episode of the Front End Happy Hour. In this episode, we're joined by Eshigal, who I'm probably butchering your name and I apologize. We're going to keep trying. Though. Yeah, we're going to keep trying to talk about the popular JavaScript framework, Angular. Eshigal, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? And also tell us how to pronounce your name properly. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Aisha Gul. I'm not sure that's the proper pronunciation. I Googled it once, and there was uh, these whole uh, bunch of different pronunciations came up. My favorite beverage is Belgian beer today. Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. I'm a senior software engineer at Autodesk, work on cloud platform. All right, well, and let's also go around the table and give brief introductions of today's panelists. Brian, you may as well start it off. <laughs> <laughs> You're always sitting beside me. Yeah, so. I know. It's always, I shouldn't do that. My name's Brian Holt, and if I was still an Angular engineer, I would be fired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim Young, senior software engineer at Netflix. Stacey London, front end dev at Atlassian. Derek Schauer, senior software engineer at LinkedIn. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Google. 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 So at any point in the episode, we say the word Google, we will all take a drink. All right. Well, let's start it off. I would love to hear someone describe what Angular is. Framework by Google. There you go. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> What, what are the benefits of using Angular? Well, I'm using Angular 2 right, right now, and I'll talk about that first. And uh, there's a lot of performance benefits. It's so much faster. Lazy loading is built in. Ahead of time compilation is default right now. And there are lots of build tools like Angular CLI that are very helpful. I think it's a full framework that is very good for every needed we have. I haven't used Angular 2 yet, but Angular 1 I always found was really good for quick prototyping. I always thought that that was one of the most beneficial things. If you wanted to get something up and running really fast, I found like Angular was the choice. Most definitely. Like when I was writing Angular, I wrote it at two companies ago. I also wrote it at Reddit. Reddit had a lot of Angular in production for a while before we migrated to React. But writing code in Angular was super fast, right? Like I could, I could just like throw th some things on scope and say like ng bind equals this and it was just like already working before it was it felt magical the first time i wrote angular was like a love story right like i felt like it was super magical <laughs> ng love i should make a directive called that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's true is like you just bind something in your html and you're like hey it's working it's, this is amazing it's magical yeah, yeah it really it's is super cool and isn't that the reason you fall out of love with angular is it it, it was, because ultimately when I went back to maintain it later, I was like, what the fuck was I doing? Like exactly. I, I had this like sprawling monolithic where I was just throwing everything on scope and I had these directives and I had like stacking directives that re like required each other. Like, I hope you're hearing this and saying like, Brian, you're a fucking idiot. It's like, yes. So I, like this, this is ultimately my complaint with Angular as well is like it doesn't really force you into any sort of good patterns. Mm -hmm. And by nature of that, idiots like Brian Holt ends up writing really shitty code, and then idiots like Brian Holt have to go back and maintain it as well. 
Yeah, I hate reading Brian Colt's quote. Like, yeah, no I, good. Yeah. <laughs> true. That is still true. Uh, the power of Angular was it was it wasn't the first framework to do data mining, but it was the first big framework that really caught on to data mining. I would which say changed the best. I'm gonna just throw it out there. It was the best one to do it. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with Brian's statement. It's like I feel like the first one that I started using data mining was knockout. Uh, knockout. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. it was like you'd couple it with jQuery, and you're like, great, I can do this cool data binding with running knockout. But Angular really took it so much further. Does someone want to define data binding? Data binding is in the MVC standard model view controller, you have your view, which the user interacts with, and you have your controller, which is where you do all your uh, kind of logic. So a change from the user actually propagates back to the controller, and you control it there. But a change of the controller actually propagates back to the user input as well. So that's two-way data binding. That was a good definition. Way to define that. I mean, it was so popular that there's almost a spec that made it in the JavaScript called object.observe yep. because where everybody saw data binding, we're like, this is gonna, this is awesome, this is gonna change everything. And well, it didn't. But <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll we talk about that later. I don't want to get too far down. I mean, admittedly, we all thought that was the greatest thing. Oh, it was yes, awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. It just didn't work out. <laughs> well, I think it's worth talking about like what dirty checking is because it's such an interesting concept, right? So basically you have like a variable and you change, you know, x equals one to x equals two, right? And there's no way to like subscribe to those changes built into JavaScript. And so we came up with, or we, we the JavaScript community, <laughs> I include myself. You mean kidding. Google did. Google, cheers. <laughs> I really mean Igor Minar, right? Like the one of the core maintainers of Angular. He came up with this idea, was like, well, we should just, when certain events happen, like user clicks and all these sort of different events happen, we're going to run this dirty checking to see if like, well, X was one before, now it's two. Okay, now we're gonna like re run the re-render again, right? So that's what dirty checking is, and that's kind of what Angular really, I don't know if they pioneered it, but they certainly were the ones that, that brought it to mainstream. Well, it's not just, that, that's a good example, but it's, it's a bit more complex. So like, in, remember in CS classes, you know, you heard of the dirty bit? It's like the one bit on something that just flips if it's changed. That's kind of what Angular did, because if you did like a raw, equals, 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 it'd be really, really slow. But it's just like a quick bit that says like, oh, this changed. And then it goes back and like, does a deep introspection on what actually changed. And that's the brilliant part. Cause anybody can just like, uh, you know, giant function that says equals, 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 like that would be easy, but that would be slow. And Angular got around that. So th like, you're right, it was revolutionary at the time. And uh, this is like era of Angular 1, right? We're on Angular 2 now, we're looking at Angular 4, but during Angular 1, they could have up to 2,000 variables that they were checking, which is crazy. That's crazy amounts of performance. What happened to Angular 3? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a joke when I heard that uh, Angular 4 is coming, because yep. they announced it today, they announced that they have Angular 2 released, and I totally thought, assumed it was a joke, but apparently it wasn't, because the router was rewritten. It was router number three. So to match that, they decided to just skip three. And so now router is four and Angular is four. Okay, that makes sense. It's probably worth talking about the Angular one to two story. Yes. Right? yes. Uh, it, it is an interesting thing. Like what are the big differences between them? And yeah, talking the well, story. Well, just like the whole shit storm <laughs> that came with it, right? Yeah. yeah. So pe people have these giant Angular one apps in production, right? Like huge Angular one apps in production. And they came out and said, we're going to do Angular two and it's incompatible. There's no migration path. It's a rewrite. And you have to rewrite too, to, to come to Angular two. And people were like, what the fuck? Fuck off, we hate you, die. Right, like all the terrible things. <laughs> I mean, 
the internet exploded, right? Like they were people were not happy. <laughs> I remember there were people forking Angular One. Is like we're gonna keep Angular One going. Like you guys don't know what the fuck you're doing. And like to be totally honest, that's super shitty, right? Well, and I was trying to choose a framework at, at that time to say like, which one should we use to build this app, and I'm like. Not picking Angular. Ember. Thanks. has written a lot of Ember though too. I know. Yeah. Ember's yeah. good. I'm not gonna bash it. No, I'm not bashing it either. <laughs> it was a, a, seriously at that time, Angular was not a viable option because it was in such flux, right? Well, you also knew it was changing right away. There's no point writing something in Angular one. Angular two was in like, and it wasn't ready. It was like yeah. pre-alpha, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. you couldn't really target it at all. No. And then at that point, they realized like, oh shit, we we made a mistake. We need like migration path is actually super important, and open source communities can't survive these kind of migrations, right? We were talking about the learning curve, and to me, I actually found the learning curve was it was really easy to get going. Like I actually found like that was my experience. But the minute you started having problems, or it wasn't scaling properly, I can know Brian was talking about it scaling or having these large applications. That's when I started running into headaches. Was what's going on, it would slow down, and you're like, all these two-way data binding yeah. is starting to become problematic. So, I made a goal not to shit on Angular during this podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna late. slightly <laughs> break it, just a little bit. Why, you, you don't wanna piss off Google? Cheers. We should have like one keyword where it's just like, if Brian shits on anything, we drink. <laughs> oh my God, we'd be so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> So whenever I give my React workshops, I love to talk about why I like React. And why I love React is because it's really easy to maintain, I think. It's more verbose, you write more code, I think, to write. And I'm honestly, I'm comparing to Angular 1. I don't really know as much about Angular 2, so uh, take this with just like the whole bag of salt that you can find. But if you have a problem with like, like imagine you're doing like a to-do app, and in the to-do app, it's, you know, you, you have a problem that you click the checkbox and it doesn't work, right? Or for some reason like that. I love with React that you know where to start with that problem, right? You know that it has to start with a component and then it kind of radiates out from there. But you, you have a definite starting point with React of where to, to debug that. With Angular 1, it could be the directive. It could be one of the other directives that you put on it. It could be the open source directive that you included. It could be this, the controller that had some sort of problem with it. It could be in the template, right? You have like seven places to start and it's overwhelming. In other words, you have no idea. You have no idea where to start. And I think that is uh, something that Facebook really just nailed and Google. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Google could have done a little bit better with, right? Don't get me wrong, Angular was revolutionary and definitely shaped the front-end landscape. So for that, I'm forever grateful. And I actually really enjoyed my time writing Angular. When I was a singular, like I was one developer at Reddit writing all these different pieces of code, Angular was great because I could just keep everything in my mind, right? Like I knew where a problem was because I fucking wrote it, right? <laughs> and I was able to be super productive and write probably the code of three developers just because Thanks, Google. <laughs> cheers. 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 <laughs> Angular was super productive for me as a singular developer. As that team scaled, it was a, it became a real problem. And we actually took it out of commission in favor of React at that time. So I have a question for the group that I'd be curious to hear your input on is, I noticed that Angular got really popular amongst, so coming from the Midwest, there's a lot of Microsoft and .NET, and that's kind of a big thing with a lot of enterprise. Angular seemed to to get extremely popular in that community. And I'd be curious if you have any insights as to why you think that might be the case. 
much more so than any other framework. My guess would have been is more like you have people that are writing .NET and more enterprise backends that Angular to me is like you can get away with creating some smaller components and just throw them into your app and not really necessarily have to write a lot of JavaScript. That would be my thought on it is like you could just add Angular and like add a component data binding. You're, you're kind of got a lot for free there, but I, I don't know. I'm interested if other people have. I think that's a good point. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like when you talk to a lot of people that write a lot of back end code, and need just a quick front end. They, uh, I feel like a lot of people will choose Angular, and it, because the barrier of entry is is ease so of low. use, yeah. Yeah, yeah, ease of getting going. I'm gonna venture a guess because I don't actually know, and like I just love speculating wildly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I noticed that Vue, like Vue.js, which is awesome, yeah. by the way, uh, feels like writing Angular one, but like a little bit nicer, in my opinion. When that really took off was when Laravel included it. And like Laravel, the PHP framework, which I, I, I was actually going to ask you, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. It's like the new hotness in the PHP frameworks, oh. and rightfully so. Okay. I, I used to write Zen. I used to be a backend developer, which is like I, I used to write PHP. That was my job. I've written a ton of PHP too. So Laravel is like the new hot framework. It's like a much more pleasant PHP framework to write. They start including Vue with the the framework itself, and then all of a sudden the PHP community just really latched on to Vue.js. And so I think when some of those like tastemakers, for lack of a better term, really start to latch onto those frameworks, maybe someone in the .NET framework wrote like a connecting library, or they wrote, or just some sort of tastemakers like this is a great thing. We should always include it. People just kind of run with that. Yeah, I think in Visual Studio there's some like templating things like spin up an Angular app. You know, like that was kind of built. That's in. probably yeah. enough. Yeah. I'm all of you, just because... Uh, Fuck off, Jim. <laughs> I think we're negating like the political aspect of it. It was written by Google. And people, Cheers. if you're a tiny... Cheers! You're like, oh, what should we use? Like this random framework? Like Knockout, written by who knows who? I mean, it's great for... Or Google. Like, it's Google. Cheers! So it's going to be hard for me to answer questions. <laughs> That's literally the point. <laughs> So I I would like postulate that's why a lot of people use Angular. That's a good point. By a big company that you know would maintain it over time. Their docs are really really good. And versus what was around the time Backbone, knockout. Back, knockout. Backbone, Knockout, uh, jQuery was still fairly. I mean, not em really. Ember a was framework, starting out. But, yeah. I mean, Ember slash Sprout Core, right? Yeah. Yeah. But nothing backed by a large company with a large team actually yeah. working on I mean, the framework. That like when you go to like propose frameworks to your team, saying that it's backed by a company X makes a huge difference. Yeah. You can make the same argument for React. I mean React's great, but backed by Facebook was probably a big selling point. Versus Vue is up and coming, but Vue isn't backed by any major company that I know. I mean it started also, backed yeah. by Google. It is? It started backed by Google. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I didn't know that. Evan Yu, who writes Vue, super awesome guy. I spoke at a conference with him in China. He's an incredibly nice guy. He started writing it at Google. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and then he left the Mountain View place, and he started working at Meteor, and then he actually broke off, and now he just, I think he's just funded by Patreon to write Vue. So it was, it was initial, and I think they wrote some, they being the, the company in Mountain View that I don't want to drink anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they wrote some product in it. I think he was in ads, maybe? Evan's probably going to tweet at me and say, like, you're an idiot, which is probably true. But they wrote something at, a, at, the, at that place. At Google. <laughs> <laughs>
But now, yeah, now, now he's independent and he does it by himself. This is getting a little bit off topic, but I think it's a good conversation. What do you think the, the cons are to having a framework backed by a large company? You're always at the whimsy of that people. Yeah, I got super frustrated using some stuff that that Mountain View that search uh, engine company Sad. created. Uh, oh, where that, that that's what you're talking about. Let's just say Alphabet. Bing was a Bing. No. Oh. No. Fucking Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there, I mean, there's there were several products that I was super excited about, and I was using heavily in my workflow. Like Google Wave. And Oops. they. No. <laughs> 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 uh -uh. And then they trashed it, and they said, "Nope, not for you. You know, we're not doing it anymore." And I was like. <sighs> Yeah, and they're known or, uh, for that too. They build reader. up quick reader. I was really. But you're upset. not paying for it, so you no. can't get super upset. But, but. You can get upset because you get used to using that and you go to it. And like if Gmail just disappeared, we'd all be in panic. That would suck. So it does, yeah. you know, it is pretty painful losing that. And so that is frustrating. I think one of the other things too, I mean, I think that can happen with a fr uh, framework that's not necessarily backed by a large company. I mean, you're, you know, you're not going to have, you know, always agree and be on the same page with the core team and stuff, but, but hopefully not as much. But I think the other thing that I know that we've run into in the past is like one of the reasons from what I've heard, I don't know if this is a rumor, if this is true, but one of the reasons that we didn't go with React is just because to bring people in to do consulting work for us or like training and stuff like that, a lot of like we'd be paying Facebook employees to come in and I mean, not, maybe not. Now you can pay Brian. <laughs> you can't. I, I don't do corporate training. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's not cool enough. <laughs> Fucking Microsoft. <laughs> it's going to be the best. Also, another thing I think that can be frustrating, too, is a company is making it to solve a problem for themselves. Yeah. And, and they're making it, they're, you know, publishing it open source to allow other people to use it. But at the end of the day, they're going to put in it what they want for to solve the problems of their needs of that company, which is not a bad thing, but that could be hard if you're adopting it and trying to do something different. They're not necessarily going to put that in the core library. It's open source at the end, right? Yeah. I mean, I hear people complain a lot about, uh, you know, React and Angular and every other work uh, framework, but it's open source and that's for us, by us, and we can extend it anytime that we want. And there's all these capabilities that we can write libraries on top of it. We should just accept the fact that somebody's giving us free code by great engineers, awesome engineers. And uh, it's really frustrating for, uh, I think, the open source contributors. And I've seen, I'm sure as you did, a lot of open source contributors get really upset and not share their code anymore. And it's really sad to see. Yeah, any, everything open source is so much better because of it is like someone can exactly. come along, tweak it, use it for something else and build on top of it and you get these new features being added and exactly. added, which I think is great. And also the developers feel more responsible. I feel like they write better code. Yes. I would much rather work on an open source project than a not open well, people can look at your code and be exactly. like wait and you judgmental. Should, why'd you do this <laughs> exactly so we've uh we spent like 20 minutes pretty much bashing 
Angular 1. Uh, <laughs> what are the big changes to Angular 2? All right, all the things that we just bashed. So there is no uh, two-way data binding anymore. Uh, well, there is a hack of it. Uh, you can actually do it, but it's very uh, explicit now. So um, every time you have any changes in your application, Angular doesn't look all through throughout your application and look for the changes. Instead, there's this thing called Zone.js which uh, allows you to just look at the tree that your component is on and look for the changes there. So you have an input of whatever variable and then you have an output of events that tells that something has changed and that's the only thing that's being checked. So that makes it really fast and that makes it really more easy, you know, easier to understand. I think that was possible to do with Angular 1 with directives and attributes and scope, but it turns out uh, you're not stupid, but like every, <laughs> uh, everybody- wait, 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 I might be stupid. <laughs> no, everybody else that I know uh, fell into the same trap because it wasn't obvious. I mean, there was no very obvious way of doing it. And so you have this direct that you can pass in some attributes and you know scope variables but you don't know which one to pass in and then most people just pass in the whole scope and there's these changes everywhere and uh, I think now with angular 2 well let's call it angular right because we're not supposed to call it angular 2 right? or angular sure. js or angular js which literally it says that on the back of my t-shirt not supposed to say that they want to brand it as just angular yeah. i just saw this i learned this like a week ago or a few days ago i saw a tweet that yeah. that's that's gospel yeah <laughs> twitter knows all yeah because angular 4 i mean so people don't <laughs> freak out it's uh, basically very similar so everything is very explicitly told to you like there's an input to the component and output to the component and you know what kind of data it's expecting when you take it and you know what it's going to output and you can watch uh, only for those I think it makes it a little bit easier but still I feel like I've seen stuff people do still uh, can misuse for example zone.js is running something like you know dirty checking right I've heard a <laughs> some people just in to recreate the two-way data binding, start running zone.js, run zone.js everywhere, and um, start watching everywhere. That, sound, that sounds horrible. Is it taking like a similar approach to sort of like data down, actions up? This is like an Ember yes. like concept. Exactly. Is that kind of an analogous thing? Similar, yeah. similar in React. It's a, it's a React concept. Da Dao yes. stolen from React. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they did. Uh, they have these open meeting uh, notes. They did talk with Ember team, React team, all of them, and I think they learned, which is a great thing. And they learn from their own mistakes, and they learn from what other people created. So, I think it's it's a good progress. Similar paradigm. Yeah. Cool. You mentioned types. Uh, Angular is written in TypeScript, right? Yes. Uh, how does that affect the code you write? Do you, does that matter? I mean, you can write just a plain JavaScript ES5, but most of the time it's encouraged to write TypeScript. And it's really cool to write TypeScript, I think, <laughs> in my opinion. And to come back to both Jim Stacy's point, that I think .NET developers will love it more now Types that it's yeah. TypeScript. Fucking Microsoft. <laughs> 
I do give uh, Angular 2 workshops for a while uh, for JS now, and there's these .NET developers who's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then there's this uh, JavaScript developers, they keep rolling their eyes at me <laughs> and to everything I say, and um, I think .NET developers love it. It definitely is a that game. In Angular 2, that's also something that comes with it, is RxJS. Yes. Um, how have you found writing with RxJS? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like RxJS is something that I do get obsessed with, and there's this huge fan base, and once people you know, understand what it is, they love it. But they also, it's worse than the Angular 1 learning curve, right? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so much worse. So what I recommend to people uh, who are learning Angular 2 most of the time is if you don't understand it, don't bother, try to, you know, find out everything about it. Just like make it to promise, turn it to promise the observables or like make it more understandable for yourself and then go learn once you learn, just deal with it. I think it's a great tool, but you have to spend some time to learn it. Does Angular abstract it? Like, does it put a layer on top of it? So your... the HTTP call is observable now, so you don't have promises out of the box. So that's the only thing, but you can add to anywhere you like. And also there's this async pipe that makes it easy for you to add it at, a, at an observable to your templates. So it watches for when the data comes and then uh, renders it at the time. So is, is it a dependency of Angular 2? Or yes. It is. So you, mm -hmm. if you include Angular 2, you automatically get RxJS. Yes. So you can't rip it out or anything? What do you mean? You can't not have RxJS if you're using Angular 2? True. But, I mean, are you concerned with, like, the size of it or anything? Yeah, file size. Actually, that was my biggest For thing sure. is the payload. Is it, it adds, RxJS is fairly large. Uh -huh. uh, so you have your Angular code and then Rx included. Mm -hmm. And so that just makes the framework a little bit heavier. Yes. So um, you don't, well, there's tree shaking. So you don't get things that you don't uh, use, right? True for components as well. Angular just, if you don't have it, anything rendered, even if you write it, even if it's in your code, it gets tree shape. I mean, you don't deploy that code. Oh, that's awesome too. It I didn't really realize cool. that it was already happening for you. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, that is actually really cool. Yeah. Because that is always a concern is like frameworks are great, but it, it's always a trade off. You're adding more weight. And mm -hmm. so that it's fine. You know, there's a lot of great benefits that you get from it, but yeah. it is weight on the page. Sure. We've talked a lot about Angular 1 and Angular 2. If I have a large application written Angular 1, should I be thinking about upgrading to Angular 2? <laughs> is that a must? How, how would you approach that? That's a very tough question. <laughs> it is a tough question. <laughs> we're, all, we're all about great, tough great. questions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we are facing the same question at Autodesk. So we do have this huge Angular 1 application and there's a lot of users. And I started rewriting it in Angular 2 a while ago. And then we were like, <sighs> okay, maybe not. So it's a kind of like a, a business decision. It's not a developer decision most of the time because the app is big uh, and there's this use base. And are we going to, you know, keep adding features to it? If we're not going to keep adding features to it, if we're just going to maintain it, why would we change it, right? Uh, but if you're going to add to it, there is a way to have Angular 1 and Angular 2 at the same time, so that hybrid concept could help to develop new... Stacy's mind was just blown. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it happen. That was going to be one of my questions, though, was if you can actually run them together, yeah. which that's great so to how hear. Does, how does that work? I'm super curious. So 
the first thing is that I, I'm not going to say that it's all pink and uh, you can do it in every Angular 1 application. So you should be following the style guide. And um, they did, along the way, they did some changes to make Angular 1 look more like Angular 2. And they did give out some you know, roadmap to how to make it more easier for people to switch. So if you have that, you know, if you follow that structure, there's a, this thing called ng upgrade. So you can have the module and then everything that's written with Angular 2 will uh, use the Angular 2 library and everything that's written with Angular 1 will use Angular 1 library. Fascinating. That is actually really cool. Because yeah. I was wondering how you could support both. And I know it was a good year or two ago when they were working on Angular 2, I was talking with one of the core contributors from Google. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. So I was talking with him and trying to understand what their plans were for upgrading if you were going from one to two. And they were there was some talks about making some tools to really help that along. So that's good to hear that you can even running them together at the same time. Yeah, it is really cool. And also uh, for Angular 4, <laughs> good news, there's this uh, upgrade path, just like uh, I think React does have, right? Uh, they make it, I mean, they do think of uh, how you can upgrade in the future. Totally. Even with going from React versions, like some are easier than others, mm -hmm. and some are actually kind of yes. a little bit of work. The, the next version is going to be hard. On 15, it's 15 to 16. That's yeah, 15, the... they're going to deprecate create class. Oh, right. So everything has to be ES6 classes, which is going to be not a fun day. Not a fun day at Netflix, anyway. No, it's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> Did we mention Brian's t-shirt says Google? <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So I was at a conference, actually my very first conference, which was FluentConf 2013. And Igor Minar, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but he's awesome. Works at Google. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Spoke about uh, Angular. I was just at like worshiping at the altar, like a groupie, right? I was like, throw me a t-shirt. And he threw me one. <laughs> it's like, it was. Like, honest to God. Do you have a t-shirt gun? Ooh, that'd be really oh, cool. That's a great idea. Next conference, <laughs> I'm totally bringing one. <laughs> Which will be in Switzerland with Ashley. There you go. Jezun. Jezun. Just, I'm sure we're saying it wrong, yeah. but I'm saying Jazoon. <laughs> and he gave me a t-shirt, and I'm wearing it today. I still have it. It's nice. usually my gym t-shirt. <laughs> I get all like dirty glances, because we're in San Francisco, and people don't like, don't like techies as much. But do they know that that's what it is? I mean... Oh, it says Google on it. It does? Right there. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Right, cheers. Cheers. Right there. cheers. <laughs> that, that was me, for, definitely for a long time. And then I realized like everyone in tech is actually super nice and feels super weird about that. Like about like being approached like that. Cause like I do front end masters, right? You're, you're about to, right? Um, no, you should. I mean, you know, Mark, so you yeah. should. So like I get pe approached by people and like, it's not, it's super weird for me. Like it, it feels super weird to like have people say like, I know who you are and I watch your videos. <laughs> <laughs> I call them front-end developer all-stars. I yeah. know. Let's go with that. So the all-stars, right? It's it's It just feels really weird. I feel people have learned React from you because of those, so that's pretty cool. So we pulled the numbers from front-end masters. It's, people have watched my, like this. I'm motioning at my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> for six years. They've watched you for six years? They've watched me for six years. How many people? I don't know. Could just be one person. It's literally just looping in my house all the time. No one else. 
<laughs> you have like a bot that just keeps pinging it. I watch it before I go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so is it soothing or is it just so boring that it really... <laughs> That makes me scared and creeped out. <laughs> I'd also be interested, we've talked a lot about using Angular. How do you learn Angular? Like what are some of the best places? I know Brian like definitely even just mentioned front end masters, but what are some ways to learn Angular and how should you approach that? There are a lot of ways actually. Angular has a really good uh, tutorial at angular.io called Tour of Heroes. And some people went and extended it. And I think that's a good tutorial and everybody must go through it first. The other stuff is uh, we are teaching at 4.js with Brian. I think he's here. Yeah, I was gonna say, you should, you should listen, I should go. <laughs> because she's teaching at 4.js. I actually might just sit in your lesson. Oh, yeah, that would be I, great. I want to learn from you. That would be great. So I'm teaching Angular 2 application architecture, and there are two more. Uh, so this time there's three workshops, which is really cool, and uh, you have your choice. And uh, Pluralsight, I think, just published John Papa and maybe Dan Violin course. And those guys, if you don't know them, they're great. And John Papa is uh, leading the style guide for Angular. And I would definitely take a look at his uh, tutorial. Other than that, I mean, if you are new to Angular, definitely absolutely use Angular CLI. Yeah, for sure. Which we copied, well, they copied from Ember. We all copied from Ember. Which, but then again, I've also heard Ember kind of stole the idea from Ruby, right? Well, I mean, like, the Ember team is the Ruby team. I guess it's not really stealing it because they yeah. created it. It's in the purpose of open source. They stole and, and yeah, It's open source. Yeah, it's, it's not stealing. It's taking a great idea and using yes. it again. And extending or learning from it, I think, because I, I just object to this idea of stealing because there's so many things available, you know, online. And so many people try to invent the wheel over and over uh, and not take a look at the open source because they're worried that they're going to be blamed as, oh, you stole this code or like, you know, you just copied and pasted. No, do it. <laughs> I mean, somebody else it. invented yeah. it. My whole career is borrowed, right? <laughs> like I just borrowed it from everyone else. Like I was like, this is a great idea. I, it's now mine. Yeah. <laughs> you're just extending a good idea. There's nothing wrong with it. Totally. Yeah, unless you're Derek. claiming that, you know. That it's your own. And it's exactly. I invented data binding. No one else did. No one else did. Yeah. And Google's not saying they did either. Cheers. 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 Are there disadvantages of Angular? So the thing I would say is that, so there was the learning curve was first you are like, oh my God, this is so easy for Angular 1, right? And then you realize, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing what's going on in here and then you go up again and down again so it's the opposite I don't think it's super beginner friendly and not this is not because just because it's the angular code itself but the tools that you are using for TypeScript you know webpack and all these things kind of complicate the first starting process so it's not as uh, beginner friendly as it used to be but once you do it I think it's more much more clean and much easier to understand and work through. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, I'm learning React. I don't think it's necessarily beginner friendly either. Yeah. So no, I don't think that's not. a plus or a minus for a framework at this point because they're all kind of getting more complicated. Yeah, and I wouldn't say this is a really a thing that they fail to do because they're solving very complex problems like ahead of time compilation, you know, uh, working with service workers and like, you know, tree shaking, all these stuff are great for big applications. And uh, I really do appreciate it. 
Can you define ahead of time compilation? So Angular, the way it works is that it looks at your uh, code, right, the HTML, and then it says, okay, you have this binding here, and then it does a lot of work to match it with your JavaScript, and then it creates something else, which is the compiling procedure. And uh, with Angular 2, you can compile in your build process and then send the code that has been compiled. So Angular did take a look at your code and then did what it needs to do. So that means that 60% of the Angular library code you are leaving behind and you're sending the 40% that's in, which makes it much faster. That's amazing. That is pretty cool. That is cool. Does it make it harder to debug issues? Like when you're, I mean, hopefully you're not having to debug production, you know, um, issue, but if you are. Well, uh, good question. I mean, it's getting there, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely mapping, and but with TypeScript and everything, the uh, error codes are getting there. They're still working on it, I think. But it's better than Angular 1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My only worry with future version of Angular, and we, we saw from Angular one angular two is that it'll be too smart for people like i've seen google and javascript community tend to do that where like uh closure uh -huh. was way ahead of its time mm -hmm. like still a brilliant library still but super ahead of its time super ahead of its time and people mm -hmm. couldn't figure out how to use it and they yeah. just didn't use it other outside yeah. of um, google so Cheers. i worry that might happen with angular four is that something they're actively trying to address just Keeping it simple. Well, just to pile onto that, they use really high terminology. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, it, it's succinct, right? Like they're literally describing what they're talking about, but they use words like, oh shit, I'm too drunk to remember. <laughs> Transclusion, yeah. directive. A lot of CS terminology. So if you're mm -hmm. one of those, you know, I don't have a CS background. So for me, a lot of that stuff is like words that I have yeah. to learn. Right, like, to, like I'm, I'm a CS into. dropout, right? So <laughs> like, I have three years of CS and like these were words beyond my years and that I had to go look up and really grasp, right? And I felt like it was unapproachable even for me, right? Mm -hmm. So people coming from out of boot camps, out of teaching themselves, like mm -hmm. this is totally unapproachable terminology. And that was one of my biggest gripes with, with Angular. Yeah. True, definitely. That's why I said it's not super beginner friendly. I mean, a few years ago, I think we had this Angular U uh, conference, this huge conference, and everybody talked about these cool things that you could do with Angular and all that stuff. And uh, after the conference, so many people approached me and said, like, what is that ad sign? So there was these do yeah. decorators. Totally. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that too. Yeah, no one explained. No one you know, knew how, to, you know, they needed to explain. So um, it's definitely not super beginner friendly, I would say, but it's solving big problems for big applications. And it's so hard to have the simplicity and the complexity of solving the problem, I think. One thing we could do is just improve the documentation. You know, I, I graduated from a bootcamp too, and like, I have don't have a CS degree. I have the same problems, but by the time goes by, you started to forget what you learned. And it's really hard for, pe for people who are in it for a long time to realize like this is not explained well, or we are using this terminology people might not know. So uh, what I recommend is people just submit issues to Angular IO the documentation and say like I don't understand this part so can you just improve this part uh, I think it's really important I just gave a talk last week and my husband said 
he didn't understand it and he felt like I'm super I don't believe it arrogant about it well that's the husband talking <laughs> right yeah. they're very honest yeah yeah fair you know that's the last thing I want to be like I I'm a very passionate teacher and I want to teach, but uh, at times you do forget what you learn and it's really hard. So if you're a beginner, it's hard to think that you know you can uh, submit an issue and stuff, but please do. Uh, please make it easy for us to make it easy for you. Do you feel like the Angular community is friendly to like that kind of thing? Because I think that was important for me. Like uh -huh. other frameworks that I've used, there's certain communities that I feel like are friendlier. If you're you're like just say oh. it's it's Ember. Ember's really nice. People are really <laughs> nice. Everyone's really nice to Ember. They are very nice. So if you post an, a noob question, everyone's yeah. not like noob. Get out of here. Shut up. Like, do you think that Angular kind of has like a welcoming community that way? I think so. I, I really do think so. And uh, they're very inclusive. They just, they have these t-shirts. I don't know if you saw it, you can sit with us. So they really do encourage. And uh, I'm a Google developer expert for Angular team. That means that, you know, I'm, you should be asking me questions and then I should be answering. And so I try to encourage people and I try to reach out to different communities and try to teach. And uh, there are so many resources, but it's, you know, hard to uh, know where you can find them. Awesome. Well, as we wrap up today's episode, we like to share pics of things that we have found interesting or, and would like to share. Let's go around the table and share our picks for today's episode. Brian, you want to start it off? Definitely. So my first pick is definitely, if, if you're listening to this podcast and not following Eshigal, do it. <laughs> Either stop listening to us or follow her. Like, that, that's all I want to say. <laughs> My second is a resource for Angular. I really like Todd Motto. He's a good dude. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. He runs ultimateangular.io, is that? Mm. Just Google Ultimate Todd Motto. Yeah. He's awesome. He, he's a good dude. He, he runs a awesome resource for learning uh, Angular. My last pick... Sorry to veer towards politics again, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of have to. Uh, I would encourage you all. I We've previously encouraged you to do donate to the ACLU. We ran the t-shirts for that. This week is definitely for the Southern Poverty Law Center. I would definitely encourage you, if you like your employer does matching or anything like that, that's something to, to definitely consider. That's an excellent pick there. Like, just for reference, they do excellent tracking on hate groups and kind of they make decisions about... Is this a hate group or is this free speech? And it like, which is a really important that thing. Is the important. line is very, yeah. very. And they're, uh, they're spot on. Yeah, they are. And I respect their work very highly. So great picks again. My picks are not political, but they're mildly related. My first pick is a company called Lcomsoft. And yeah, you've probably never heard of them. They are a Russian company. You've heard of them? I have not. Ah, yeah. Most, I hadn't heard of either, but they are a Russian software company, been around for 15, 20 years. If you go to their website and their product catalog, it is frightening. So I only looked this up because there was that whole incident at the airport where they took the guy's phone, and, which was a government phone. The NASA, and they guy, right? the NASA one. Yeah. So what their software can do, Elcom software and companies like that, they can copy your entire phone, unlock everything. Passwords don't matter. I'll just read through some of their offerings. Elcom, phone breaker, gain access to file vault 2 containers, iOS. It will break your WhatsApp encryption. It will break your iPhone encryption. It will break... Windows encryption, it will break WPA encryption. These are all tools that I can buy for $129. Like, and they are Microsoft certified, they are Intel certified. So like this has been going on for a long time. They say they work with 90% of the Fortune 500 companies. So it's like, there's a whole world of software we just don't know about. That's scary. I can buy this stuff today and just like 
plug into people's phones until I break in. It's it's extremely scary. Like that's why I want to make people aware that these things exist. So I want to try it. Oh, advanced Intuit password recovery. Like it's just insane. That's your that fucking stuff... tax returns. Yeah. yeah. Shit. <laughs> it, it it's very very frightening, but it's all under the guise of like security tools, like security auditing. Wink 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 wink. wink no, but wink. like seriously, like I I do applaud that they put that out there and they say like. We can do this. Jesus Christ, you better have like a backup plan for this. I encrypt all my stuff, but a lot of it, the encryption is just useless. They can just get in and break it anyways, like very quickly. Too. So that lets you know, like, that's not safe. You need to do something better than that, right? Like, I, I applaud them for publishing that and, and just not putting it, like, just to the government or just to other people, right? I'm sure there's a hundred other companies we don't know about that make software like yeah. Sorry to go off on that rant, but it's just it's very frightening. That if you just read their product page, see what they can do. Turn off the internet right now. Yeah, really yeah. seriously, <laughs> go live in a cave. Delete your phone. Delete your phone. <laughs> Stop listening right now. They're on to you. Run. My second pick is a company called Private Internet Access. I use them at home. And I, use them. I use it too. They're fantastic, not just for the privacy implications of using uh vpn thank you yeah don't know why i blanked on that but i use it for testing as well it's good to i set it to india and i exit through india and just see like the experience that i get kind of the latency that i get things like that i just jump around the world sometimes when i'm testing things it's extremely useful so i bought a starbucks gift card and you can enter the code for the starbucks gift card and that'll pay for it nice oh so, nice you can so, use your starbucks so they have gift no card. idea who the fuck you are right yeah so and they have like tons of deals like that so you just like they have no idea who you are they're pretty solid on privacy as well. Like they take Bitcoin, they take uh, gift cards. They they do not log. Their logs are all anonymous. They're like very upfront about how they do logging things like that. So I will, I will assert with personal knowledge that it works in China too. Nice. Yeah. Very well, nice. There you go. Actually, what do you have for us this week? I have half an hour, right? You have yeah, half yeah. an hour of picks. That'd be great. <laughs> okay. So uh, my new obsession is aerial arts and uh, being upside down. So uh, there's this thing called yoga trapeze swing that you can attach it to your roof or any kind of like a pull-up bar or anything like that and you can be upside down anytime you want. You know, you can do other stuff like workouts and stretch and all that stuff. This is something I didn't know I needed. Oh, <laughs> the best $80 I ever, ever spent. It's really... Do you have it hanging from your roof then? I have a uh, pull-up bar. Yeah. And it's hanging from there. Nice. And... Um, I can show you pictures later on, but I do lots of aerial arts. I try all of them and they're so much fun. You should try it once in your life, especially since you're in San Francisco. It's one of the you know few cities that you could do any of those. The other is uh, Google Home. Just the- Cheers. <laughs> you just had to pick that one. <laughs> exactly. You can just ask him to or her to tell you jokes. That's all. <laughs> No, you can do it yourself. You can play trivia games with your friends too. Yeah, it's nice. I feel like it's part of my family now. It does a lot of cool things. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, girl develop it. Yay! Very good one. (laughs) Yeah. It's a um, organization nationwide and we have tons of classes and we have open source uh, curriculum, which is on teaching teachingmaterial.org yes so you can take uh, any of the material and then start teaching yourself you don't have to um, do a girl develop it but if your region has a girl develop it workshops do take them they're really nice they're amazing yes which are available in a lot of cities too i think it's growing and growing all the time exactly and if you don't have one you can create one 
it's very easy you got the support and you got all the curriculum that you need and for donation i'll uh, recommend any canons it's a, a local organization in the bay area that teach uh, that teaches human trafficking survivors how to code it's an amazing organization and you can volunteer or donate. is being modest, like she used to be CTO, right? Yeah, for a year and uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's phenomenal. Nice. I've actually picked it before. Daisy, what do you have for us? Oh man, to follow such great picks. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck it up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna totally fuck it up. Um. <laughs> Mine are pretty lame, so you can actually like that. Yeah, and I always go at the end, so. Yeah. Good call. My first pick is a Google product cheers called lighthouse which I that's awesome yeah just kind of come become aware of um and it does some really cool stuff for uh letting you know what things you can improve about your web app it's kind of focused on progressive web apps so it will give you a lot of warnings if you turn it on and run it against your site about like offline abilities and blah, blah, blah but it also has just like general things that are good to do to make your site fast so i thought that was cool there's a google extension for it you can also run it in the command line which i thought was cool so you can have it be a part of maybe your whole build process to prevent performance degradation that kind of thing so i thought that was a cool i want to i want to give it a try i want to like bring it into to my current job and see if we can uh, increase performance my second pick is a music pick. It's uh, Peak Magnetic by Clark. I really loved Winter Lynn, and there's an associated video uh, for that song, which is really phenomenal, a few years back. And uh, he's been producing stuff for a long time, and the song is it's got a lot of layers, so if you have some really good headphones, you can uh, get a, a, it's good ear candy. I appreciate it. So if you listen to last week's episode and chose uh, Brian's pick, which was uh, like a, basically an amplifier for your headphones, oh, that would actually help with that. DAC amp yes. plus Clark, happy. <laughs> the formula. Science. Derek, what do you have? So I have two. Um, the first one, I uh, just... Uh, Is it Microsoft? No. Okay. No. <laughs> There's going to be a fist fight eventually. <laughs> eventually. We will record We need it. video for that. <laughs> My first pick is not Microsoft. It is a um, storage solution, which unfortunately is only available in the Bay Area. So I apologize for everyone else, but hopefully it expands. But I was looking for storage. I just moved to a place in San Francisco. Apartments tend to be pretty small. So I was looking for a place to store my stuff and found this, this thing. And the difference with them is they actually will pick up items like on an individual individually so you can give them a pair of shoes or you can give them a bike or you can give them a golf bag oh my god and this is the most san francisco thing i've ever I was just heard yeah. it's, awesome. it's, it's really cool and they they take it and they photograph it and they it's obviously on an app and then you can lend it to people so you can actually just go and select the item and they they will drop it off at, at, at you know as long as they're in the bay area or they will ship it uh, outside of the bay area if you want you to borrow your shoes <laughs> shoes might be a weird one but <laughs> that's gross <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? It's called Omni. And my second pick is kind of a troll pick, but I gotta pick it. Is Fernet. No. <laughs> you haven't tried it, you should. It's... No, you should not. So I would say yes. four of the people here right now have a hangover more or less connected <laughs> to Fernet. It's it's disgusting. Dude. Don't drink it. It's no. so more no. or less. No. No. It's it's one hundred percent. It's good for you. And yes, it's a digest. Uh, digestivo. Just 
yeah. Devo, thank you. Random fact about it, um, it <laughs> determines the price of uh, saffron in the whole world because it uses 80% of the saffron of the whole world. That's too oh, funny. That is crazy. The other random fact is that uh, San Francisco is the largest consumer of Fernet outside of Italy. <laughs> it no, is. I know that. It is, yeah. yeah. But I could see that because I didn't even hear of it until I moved to San Francisco. Same. So, yeah, I saw, I saw it all over Italy. Okay, so there Just you go. like soak a bunch of Twizzlers, black licorice, and water, and that's what you get. <laughs> it's pretty close. Maybe some vodka or something. You need some booze in it, so. Yeah, but you get the health benefit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> health benefit of drinking, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. All right, so I have two picks since we're talking about Angular. And if you're wanting to learn Angular, I actually uh, saw the NG Cruise. Which oh Aishigal is speaking. Uh, yes, and I did see that, so I was like, that's yeah, even so better. I need to get on that. Like, yeah. Come on, that has got to be one of the coolest <laughs> conferences ever. It will. You're on a cruise, listening to great people speak, going to the Bahamas. Like, honestly, yeah. I yeah. take lots of pictures. It's in, what, May, end of May or something? May 29th? I think it's the first um, day. Yeah, I okay. can't tell. Dude. That's so cool. There you go. So I, w I had to pick that. I was like, that's too good. I'm not going, unfortunately. You should. But I can't at that, that time or else I totally would. There are tickets left? Uh, I think so, I yeah. I think there are. I, I, I was on their site yeah. earlier and it did still say buy tickets. So I'll have to ask on Uncle Netflix. Yeah, see if, <laughs> see if Netflix can sponsor you to go to that. <laughs> a few more cruises for... For all things. I'm available for those for speaking. Uh, <laughs> I picked myself for this episode. <laughs> My second pick is a app called Astral. It's a way to organize your GitHub stars, which I thought was amazing. I've always struggled with that. I always star a bunch of things and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go totally look at them. What you can do is it pulls in your GitHub stars that you've liked and you can organize them by categories and everything like that. So oh, I thought I, that was I pretty cool. I always use it to like, like things. Like, let people know, it's like, I like your shit. No, nah, but there's times when I want to, like, go back to something and, like, I, I you know, favorite it and star it like or whatever. Shit, I star too much You star too much shit. Quotes. I, I'm, pro I'm pretty sure I probably have thousands of stars to, as well. Change it, like, Twitter. That was, because that was always my problem when Twitter had the favorite yep. thing, right? Because I was like, well, I want to like this, but I don't want to, like, go back and look at it. I just want that person to know that. I'm you almost need another feature for that, like save and like, or just the, like, I like. But there again, this app will help you organize it if it's just literally Brian being nice and starring it and saying, I like that. It can, he can put that in a category. <laughs> All right, before we end the episode, I want to thank Aishigo for joining us and being a guest. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for having me. How can people get in touch with you? My Twitter name was my first name and last name, Aishigo which was super hard. So I changed it to ice something, A-Y-S something. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yes, it is. And thank you all for listening to today's episode. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Let other people know about how great the podcast is or how bad it is. You know, maybe you're sick okay of us. Yeah, it's okay. That's, that's fine. It does help other people discover the podcast. And like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH.